We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I understand there's some intrigue with all five of these quarterbacks, but when I looked at the college tape, I said, Justin Fields has the second best resume of all of these guys behind Trevor Lawrence. And so I'm with you. I believe that, yes, if you've got a system put in place and, and you want a guy that can manage things and make the right throws and make the right reads, maybe you go uh, with Jones. But to me, the bigger upside, without a doubt, is Justin Fields. Yep. I believe, Rich, they've got to go that direction. You know the voice. It's of the Hall of Famer himself, Kurt Warner. He was there on the NFL Network covering the NFL Draft as he does on an annual basis. And he does it at as high level as anyone in the industry. You know what? Because he played it at as high level as anyone in his industry at the time as a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's with me now on the hotline. And Kurt joins us, as all the guests do. Brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Kurt, really appreciate you joining me, man. How you doing this evening? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Looking forward to uh, some of the things coming out in the major motion picture industry related to your life story. I was actually just talking to, uh, I had Paul Racy, who was a Chicagoan and an actor in the film The Sound of Metal. So we were just talking major motion pictures there. And I know that's kind of a, a new world you're taking your foray into is there is there a timeline would you like to let chicagoans know what may be uh, in store coming up here well yeah we've actually finished filming the movie now it's in the editing stage and uh you know as, as everything uh we're waiting to kind of see how this covid pandemic plays out but uh as of right now we're looking at a december release uh right around the holidays uh extremely excited about that uh I think it's going to be a great inspirational movie called American Underdog that's going to impact a lot of people. There's, a, you know, obviously my story, but there's some other stories tied in with my wife and my son. And I'm just I'm really excited. I think it's going to a lot of people inspire and encourage a lot of people, whether you're football fans or not. And so I, I'm excited about the project. Um, it's been a long time in the making, but uh, I always feel like God's timing is right. And uh, that's, that's the plan as of right now. No doubt about that, man. Really looking forward to when the film itself makes its debut. But it's not why I called you. Called you to get your thoughts on <laughs> Justin Fields, man. This this quarterback has turned, certainly turned the tide of perception for the Chicago Bears here in this city over the past month plus since the NFL draft. And there's an excitement that brews with every time his name is mentioned. So we heard a little clip. Uh, of just your evaluation during the draft process shortly before the Bears made the pick. So I'm curious how you think what you saw of Justin Fields, the college quarterback, translates to to what can be Justin Fields, the professional QB. Well, I mean, first thing is that you, you always have to say that there's always a transition. So I, it doesn't really matter how great you were in college. There still is a transition, and there's things that you have to learn and things – and areas where you have to grow no matter who you are, no matter how good you were in college, there are no sure things. And so I think we always have to start there. That's, you know, one of the hard things about the draft and pre-draft coverage and, and try to speculate and rank all these guys. 
man, everybody, you know, I, I know plenty of guys uh, like myself that weren't necessarily great in college uh, became great in the NFL. I know other players that were great in college and that never really panned out and played great in the NFL. So there's a process there. But, you know, as we're saying with the clip you, that you played, if you just looked at all, you know, I'll take the top five guys. You look at the top five guys and look at their college resume and watch their college tape, there is no doubt that Justin Fields had the second best resume of any of the quarterbacks that were out there. And, you know, you know as well as me, for whatever reason, uh, you go through this process and sometimes guys get nicked or knocked down a little bit. And Justin seemed to be the guy this year that got knocked down for whatever reason. But if you put on the tape over the last two years what he did, the big-time throws, the reads that he made, his athleticism, um, you know, both with his arm and his legs, uh, there is so much to like. And I feel like all five guys really found themselves in great situations. But I like the situation that Justin Fields is in. Uh, Matt Nagy, what he does offensively um, is that they play to their defense um, and he tries to scheme some easy opportunities for his quarterback. And then obviously the quarterback's going to have to make more plays than Mitch Trubisky did to take them to the next level. But I like the situation that he finds himself in where he's not going to have to carry a team. Uh, yeah, he may have felt, fallen a little farther than he wanted to, but I think he's got a great situation to be in. And I'm excited to see what all of these guys can be at the NFL level. But there is a lot to like based on what you saw at Ohio State from Justin Fields. And the the accuracy on the deep ball was something that really stood out to me, just in, even covering his, his college career specifically there in Columbus. And that, frankly, was something that was missing from the Bears passing attack. So how, how should Matt Nagy, the play caller, who he's going to take those reins back while, of course, maintaining his time as the head coach, he's going back to calling plays next season. So how should he balance that with having a young quarterback at whatever point Justin Fields takes the field? He is going to be inexperienced. So how do you balance the potential to add explosion to the Bears passing attack while recognizing you've still got a young QB behind center? Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Nagy has done a good job there, as I was saying earlier, of creating opportunities for his quarterback. And that can be whether it's a short passing game or, you know, creating some easy change of pace opportunities down the field. I think he'll continue to do that. Um, and those were the things that made this offense uh, competitive and made this team competitive uh, over the last few years uh, when they've made it to the playoffs. Where they lacked at the quarterback position was the consistency of the normal basic passing game. That was something that their offense struggled with. And that, to me, is where um, you've got to find a way to get Justin Fields to play well. Is Can he be more consistent, even early in his career, with the basic passing game? That was where Mitch Trubisky struggled for whatever reason. You know, Things that I would look at on film and be like, Okay, if you're an NFL starting quarterback, you have to make that play over and over and over again. Those are plays that Justin Fields made over and over and over again at Ohio State. So, again, that doesn't mean it's going to automatically translate, but that to me is where I believe they have a chance to make that huge jump is in the basic regular passing game, consistency there, making the throws. If he can translate some of that from Ohio State to Chicago, I think with the playmakers he's got around him, he's got a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, he's got a 1,000-yard back. He's got some good playmakers on the outside. Obviously, they've got that really good defense. 
this team, which was a playoff team last year, has a chance to make some huge improvements uh, in that division. And I'm excited to see if Justin Fields can be that because I believe he can based on what I've seen in college. And I believe the Chicago you know, Bears fans should be excited. He's on Twitter at Kurt13Warner. He's the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner himself. You can find him there on Twitter. You can also go to QBconfidential.com. And certainly, you can watch him throughout the year on the NFL Network and hear him all over the radio, calling NFL games throughout the season. He's here with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And you've been in, in such a wide variety of situations throughout your playing career as a quarterback, Kurt. And I think one thing that, that will be an additional advantage to Justin Fields is that it doesn't strike me between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles that he'll be going into a hostile environment as a young QB in the meeting room with these other veterans. And, you know, like, of course, Andy Dalton wasn't you where, with Eli Manning, where Andy Dalton's never won an MVP or Super Bowl or any of that. But he will be a guy who came in here expecting to be the starting quarterback. Give us a, a sense for what what that dynamic is like where you're, you're a veteran and you've got your, your spurs on the wall and here's this young guy who you know, in, in essence, will take your job at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's never uh, a fun situation because we all want to compete and we all want to play. But when you get into situations like that, you also have to be realistic about it and you have to understand your role as a teammate. As a veteran guy or as a player, you're like, I want to hold this off as long as I can. I want to go in early and I want to win so I can hold off the young guy as long as I can and get as many steps as possible. But when the time comes, you have to embrace that because you don't go in. That's the situation that will probably trend by some point, you know, unless you guys are having this unbelievable season. Um, and, and as you said, I think you've got two great guys. Um, that are at a stage in their career where they understand what their role is. Yes, our role may be to start early on, but it's really just to help Justin Fields because he's the future of the organization. And I and those two guys are going to do that extremely well. Uh, I wonder a little bit. At this level. With, so, did I lose you? You're right? Yeah, we actually, we've got you again. I actually thought I'd lost you for okay. a moment, but we can hear you again. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. So I was just saying that uh, any Dalton could come in and win and play at a high level without question. But um, he's also going to be a guy that will do what he can because he understands with what we've seen the last couple of years that he's a guy that's more of a placeholder now in his career than a starter. And I think those guys will do a great job of helping Justin to get ready and maybe help him through some of the struggles that he may have as a rookie like, uh, like most quarterbacks face. For you as a guy who obviously was not a day one starter as, as we all have known your, the career arc that, that you went through, but it seems like the modern NFL is more and more being geared towards some of those college principles. So are we, are we in an era right now of football where the transition from college to pro is, is much smoother now than perhaps it was 10 plus years ago? I'm not sure if I would say it's much smoother, but I would say that, it is more designed now to allow quarterbacks really at any stage, but especially young quarterbacks to statistically have more success early, more balls thrown at the line of scrimmage, more RPOs in the game, easier pass concepts. And it's designed rule wise 
to allow offenses to score more points and to move the football. So it's much easier to come in and your rookie year to look better than it probably did a decade ago. But bottom line, you and I both know that when you're playing at that level, stats isn't what it's all about. It's about can you make critical plays in critical moments to separate your team? And that's what, no matter who's in at quarterback, but if Justin Fields is put in at quarterback, this team was a playoff team last year with not great play at the quarterback position. They're going to expect to push that envelope again, and they're going to expect their quarterback to have to make those plays at critical moments. And that, to me, is how you define all quarterbacks, but even how you define young quarterbacks, is that, yeah, they can come in and throw for 4,000 yards and throw close to 30 touchdowns, um, and it looks really, really good on paper. Um, and so, you know, from, from that standpoint, I think it's a little bit easier because people will look at it and go, oh, he came in as a rookie and, and he did well. But bottom line in the locker room is can he make those critical plays uh, when they need him to? And that will be the determining factor really on how good Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson and those guys are in their first year. And Kurt, before I let you run, I got to ask you about the uh, one of the teams in the Bears division, the reigning division champ, been in the last couple of NFC title games. Green Bay Packers are seemingly at odds with their future Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And I, I still don't have a clear understanding of how it got to this point, man. What, what do you make of what we're seeing in Green Bay? Yeah, you know, there are always such difficult situations when, you know, you, you're just seeing something completely from – the outside and I'm with you and where it's like, okay, how do you get to this point with a guy like Aaron Rodgers? you know, guy that's been the face of your franchise that has been the best player in the league uh, or one of over the last decade plus, you know, how, how does it ever get to that point where he doesn't feel appreciated? Um, I, I'm not really sure. And then to get to the point where he's basically making the statement or, you know, again, he hasn't made the statement, but we've heard the statement you know, I'm, I'm not coming back to play there. Um, it is fascinating that it can get to that point. But you like to think that if it could get to that point on one side, there's something that can be done to, you know, to, to cross that out, to wipe that out, and get back on right terms with a you know, future Hall of Famer and, and your franchise guy. Uh, but this has been fascinating for the last few weeks to see this play out, uh, to hear kind of both sides, uh, that they are definitely at odds. But you, you sit back and go, there's no way, right? There's no way that Aaron Rodgers isn't playing for the Green Bay Packers next year. Is there? And, and we're all sitting here, and it's what drives <laughs> our game, right? It's 365, 24-7. You never know what's going to happen, and it's given us a lot of drama. I hope Aaron stays there because of their team, because of what he's meant to, uh, to that organization and all of those things. But – We've seen it. How many times have we seen it in this league? The Peyton Manning's gone. Tom Brady, gone. So Aaron Rodgers, I guess, could be gone. I just, I, I just can't wrap my head around how Green Bay allows that to happen. I think Aaron is a pro. And, uh, you know, if you keep him there for his teammates and everything that's on, I think he shows up and he plays and he's going to compete. We know that. Um, so I just think if you're Green Bay, you've got to say, see this thing play out and hope that you can work it out so Aaron Rodgers is behind center for you guys. And the timing of where things sit right now, it feels like the options are fairly limited after the draft here. Man, it will be quite the soap opera to watch it play out. We'll <laughs> check it out closely, man. 
thank you for everything, for the, the time on Justin Fields, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, and best of luck when the movie does come out. Underdog, your life story. It, it's already touched so many people in the football world and society at large, so I'm glad it's coming to the big screen, man. So good luck with that. I appreciate it, my friend. Always good to talk to you. I hope I'm up here in the, the sticks of Iowa, so I hope the, uh, the connection was all right. Uh, and let's, uh, let's catch up and do it again sometime. Yeah, let's do it again, my friend. That is the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. He is there. He is in God's country. He is in Iowa. I, I don't know. Me and my wife probably got to make our way back to Iowa City. He, Kurt's not in Iowa City right now, but we got to make our way back to Iowa City to go check on some of our old Hawkeye brethren sometime here over the next couple of months before I get deep into football mode. But, yeah, it is always, always really cool to get the perspective of someone like Kurt Warner who lived it in so many ways at such a high level, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. He was the tutor for Eli Manning, and folks were assuming his career was over when he's you know, on his way out of the Giants. And the next thing you know, he's back there as the starting QB, and he's with the Cardinals, and he's leading them to the just the cusp of a Super Bowl championship. So his story, I don't know exactly. You know, I've gotten – He's been willing to share a little bit of the process with me, but I don't know exactly how how much detail they'll go into with that. And frankly, football movies are tough. So I'm wondering how much of it will be. I know there will be some football scenes that are going on there without saying too much, but I wonder how much just from a choreography perspective we'll really get a, a good look at because football scenes are really, really difficult to pull off because there's so many bodies out there. There's so many scenes that have to take place with dozens of people all over the place, and it's just hard to make it look realistic. Actually, me and me and Shep, me and Nick Shepkowski, we would do really during this part of the year. Occasionally, we would do some lists of like, you know, favorite baseball movies of all time versus best baseball movies of all time, favorite basketball movies of all time, and best football movies of all time was always a tough one, man, because it's it's just really hard to make, even if the the drama of it is really good. But then when you get away from just the, the scenes where just people are just interacting as civilians and then you throw all these actors onto a football field and say, all right, let's play some realistic looking football. And it just never looks great. And so it ends up kind of eroding how folks feel about the rest of the movie. So great football movies, there's, there's a list of them, but it's, it feels like it's few and far between by comparison to all the great baseball movies, all the great basketball movies that are out there because it's just easier to pull off making things look realistic than it is in a football movie. So for underdog, Kurt Warner's story that's going to be coming out, I said maybe the holiday season, we'll see how things roll. Looking forward to that. Zachary Levy, who's in um, actually the most recent movie I saw him in, he's going to be playing Kurt Warner in that movie. I saw him in a movie Shazam, which is kind of a, a more comedic and childlike twist on superhero movies that came out a couple of years ago. I really enjoyed that one. He's a good actor, good guy. He's also uh, had a role in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like a reference. My wife and I have Amazon Prime, so – we were watching that show and saw him in there for a little while, too. So I think it was a good choice, good casting, somebody who's legitimately a big guy, you know, so can pull off some of those football attributes out there. I don't know how athletic he is, but he's certainly large enough to make it happen. But, uh, yeah, thanks to, to Kurt Warner for joining me there. When I return, I'm going to keep some, some football discussion going here specific to the Bears and the situation that Justin Fields finds himself in. And we do have veterans on the way as well that will be taking to the practice field We'll be opening up the phone lines here, though, as well. For anything we've been covering throughout the show here, you can give me a call at 312-644-6767. We talk mainly Cubs. White Sox are right now tied with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so we 
Not going to talk a lot of White Sox, but that's the score in that game over there. But we will get back into some Bears. I got some other Bears thoughts on the QB situation Justin Fields will be stepping into. So we'll get into that next. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter, at Big Ant Heron. That's where you can reach me. You can give me a call or shoot me a text. Same number, 312-644-6767. This is the score. Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. That's Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app today to listen to the score. An Odyssey station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Of course, I mean, I think everybody on our team should be striving for a starting job, and if you're not, then there's no reason for you to be here. So, um, of course, I'm going to do everything that I can to, you know, get that starting job, and, you know, um, it's it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's not up to me. You know, Coach Nagy, he has a set plan on, you know, my development and, and, and stuff like that. But I'm just going to, you know, work hard and keep my head down and just, just, just keep grinding it out every day. Oh, the voice of Bears, I suppose, current QB2-ish. Justin Fields, for the time being, just for the, the moment, until, uh, until at whatever point he takes over the reins as the starter. And I suppose it is the job of the other individuals in that room with him, namely Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. I I suppose they really have multiple jobs when it comes down to it, because as as we were just talking about a moment ago with Kurt Warner and especially in Andy Dalton's case, you know, he came here just like he said in his opening press conference. He caught everybody off guard in that opening presser when he said, uh, yeah, I was told I'm starting QB. And then, you know, a little while later, the whole QB1 thing comes out. So I don't know that the Bears even thought Andy Dalton was going to put that out there publicly, that he was coming here to be the starting QB and was told as much. Because, frankly, between the two, it's not like Andy Dalton's resume is much more sterling than Nick Foles. Now, he has played more more consistent quality football. And, I, you know, I, <laughs> you can hear my voice. I was kind of throw a question mark on quality. Uh, but I mean, the guy, the guys played more good football than bad football over a decade in the National Football League. And I think folks don't necessarily appreciate the difficulty of that to the extent that they should. And, you know, I even heard it in, in the way Kurt Warner was describing things in in his evaluation of Justin Fields in college and in how how quickly it's realistic to expect that he would step in and perform at a high level for the Bears whenever he becomes the starting quarterback. But there's multiple jobs that Andy Dalton and Nick Foles will have. One of those jobs will be to compete, obviously, just for for them as individuals, for, for the point they're at in their careers. It certainly behooves them to go out there and compete and try to play their best football and I'm wondering exactly where Nick Foles really fits into this mix because none of the public discussion indicates that Nick Foles has any opportunity to become the Bears' starting quarterback where a year ago it was the Nick versus Mitch conundrum that the Bears were were going to face where Nick Foles had been signed over the offseason to come in and compete to be the Bears' starting QB last offseason. And now here in a situation where he didn't get to meet his teammates last year, didn't get to go out there and compete with them on the field, didn't get to like train and prepare in the midst of the pandemic, and then just shows up in these very, very sort of 
rigid and regimented and limited opportunities on the practice field and then no preseason games. Then he just sits back and watches Mitch start a few games before he got his opportunity to become the Bears' starting quarterback. So all those things being said, he did not perform well. So I think last season, when the Bears made the choice, when Matt Nagy made the choice to move on from Mitch Trubisky, even though they were winning games, I thought that was the right call. While at the same time, what we saw from Nick Foles, as I talked about a lot on this station and over on Fox 32 on Bears Post Game Live, talked about it everywhere. Somebody was asking me the question at the time that the Bears moved on from Nick Foles and went back to Mitch Trubisky. It was apparent to me that Mitch was the quarterback that gave the Bears the better opportunity to win games. And the thing to me that stands out, and I, I truly believe this all relates to the decisions the Bears will have to continue making at quarterback is that the Bears' salary cap situation is a difficult one and will continue to be a difficult one, it would seem, for a couple of years here because of what they've invested on the defensive side of the football. And with that in mind, where you have players like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan and Eddie Jackson who you and Robert Quinn, who you have paid big money to these individuals because you felt you were you were entering the potential for, for a championship window. You were entering a phase where you want to pursue playoff victories, Super Bowls. And obviously, none of that has come to fruition yet as it relates to any postseason success since Ryan Pace has taken the club over and while Matt Nagy has been the head coach. But those things being said, that doesn't mean you're automatically in rebuild mode either. And it feels to me like the talk about the quarterback position would indicate that some folks think the Bears should just go into rebuild mode. To me, it comes down to whether or not Justin Fields proves himself to be the guy that gives the Bears the best opportunity to win games because between the money invested in those defensive players that I referenced, oh, and let's throw Allen Robinson in there as well on the franchise tag. So right now, all they know is they're guaranteed to have the talents of Allen Robinson for another year, and they have a major financial investment for that singular season that they have A-Rob on offense. All these guys aren't sitting around here at this point in their careers thinking, you know what? Let's go ahead and regardless of what he looks like on the practice field or how he interprets things in the meeting room or how he interacts with the teammates, regardless of that, just throw Justin Fields out there and let's hope for the best. No. That's not what any of those players want. That's not what any of those veterans want. That's not, frankly, not that deserves got anything to do with it. To quote Clint Eastwood from whichever, what was it, Unforgiven, I think. Deserves got nothing to do with it. You don't necessarily deserve a whole lot aside from your paycheck in the National Football League, but I do believe that those veterans would expect that the organization between the financial investment that's been made in them, but then also just where they're at in their careers, however much time they're, the window of their football journey is still upon them, is still open to play at a high level, they don't want to sit around waiting on some rookie if he's not ready yet the first month of the season. So whether it's game three, whether it's game seven, whether it's game 17, whenever Justin Fields hit the field, my anticipation, at least my, my prognostication, is that the Bears will be doing it at the point where, where he has shown himself even if he's not shown himself ready to immediately perform at a high level, but just that he's shown himself to be 
the best quarterback to win games because it's it can't be about rebuild this season, or at least it shouldn't be about strictly rebuild this season and seeing how quickly you can try to get reps to Justin Fields because at a certain point you're, you're, you're eschewing the, the opportunity that may be there to accomplish something this season, something that Ryan Pace feels he's been building towards for the last seven years and something Matt Nagy feels like he's been building towards for the last four years. So if they feel like there's going to be an opportunity to win and that best opportunity isn't necessarily Justin Fields from game one, but it might be Andy Dalton from game one, I have zero issue with the Bears starting Andy Dalton in the first game while at the same time just recognizing in my rational mind that they will be evaluating Justin Fields for the preparation of becoming the starting quarterback at some point. But if it ain't game one, that doesn't mean the sky's falling. And I feel like that's a lot of the reaction that's out there, that if for some reason Justin Fields doesn't beat out Andy Dalton during the preseason, then it either means he's a bust or the Bears are making this giant mistake. And neither of those things have to be true. If Justin Fields doesn't start till game five like Mr. Bisky, if he doesn't start till game 17, like, well, I guess in Pat Mahomes' case, it was game 16, but I just like saying 17 because I was thinking of the movie White Man Can't Jump earlier, and there's that scene where Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes, and they're out there playing, they get done with the hooping, and then it's, uh, they know who's going to win, and it's 17, hunt it. So that number is in my head from thinking about White Man Can't Jump earlier. But with that in mind, whatever game he starts, the opportunity to prove himself should be there, and for his teammates to see that will be key. I think all those things are factors in the timeline for when Justin Fields will actually enter the lineup. I put the phone line out earlier. We do have some callers on the line, so let's go ahead and get out and let some folks give their thoughts on where things sit with the Bears right now. We got Will out on the south side. I want to talk about what's happening with these Bears quarterbacks. William, how are you? You got Anthony Heron on the score. How you doing, Anthony? I'm good, man. I'm good. Appreciate you calling. You want to know? I would have never got Dalton. I would have kept that money and kept Trubisky for one more year and still went after Fields. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, there's some validity to that thought process because, frankly, when they only had, and I appreciate the call, William, when they only had Andy Dalton on the roster as far as just any new quarterback when you just had Nick Foles there as QB from last season and we were all still waiting to see what would take place with Mitch Trubisky, I'm not at a point where I'm confident Andy Dalton was an upgrade at this point in his career from what they had the potential to be with Mitchell Trubisky. And so I think to William's point, you know, the the awkward thing would have been if you kept Mitch around here and said, all right, Mitch, former number two overall pick, we're going to keep you here. And now we're going to go out and draft some guy at number 11 in the draft. And so he's not even drafted as highly as you, but he's going to develop and you still got, you know, sort of the cloud of Trubisky looming over things. It's kind of like, I think back to when the Bears moved on from Jay Cutler after the years that he was here in Chicago. And you know, up until Justin Fields showed up, Jay Cutler was the most gifted quarterback in the history of the Chicago Bears. And we'll see. You know, I got to look at Justin Fields on an NFL field a little bit before I just say that he is more gifted at the position than Jay Cutler. At the moment, you know, I still wouldn't have any issue viewing Jay Cutler as just more skilled, more talented at the QB position, you know, adding athleticism, passing, and all those other things. But – That being said, by the end of Jay Cutler's time here in Chicago, when they finally made the decision that Jay Cutler's time was over with the Bears, they went out and signed Mike Glennon. Nobody was going to tell you that Mike Glennon was a more gifted quarterback 
than Jay Cutler. Nobody was under the impression that Brian Hoyer or or Matt Barkley were better quarterbacks than Jay Cutler. It was just time for them to be done with Jay Cutler. It just wasn't working. It wasn't interesting anymore. It was constantly frustrating for everybody around the situation. So they made, you know, perhaps made it a year or two later than they needed to, but they finally made the decision that Cutler's time with the Bears was done. And so after Mitch's four years here in Chicago, they made the decision that his time with the Bears was done. But if Mitch Trubisky and Andy Dalton were on the practice field at the same time vying for the quarterback job, I certainly wouldn't have gone into that just assuming that Andy Dalton would definitely beat out Mitch Trubisky. I wouldn't have necessarily had any issue assuming that Andy Dalton would be competitive, but that Mitch would have the opportunity to beat him out. So I don't think Dalton is a definitive upgrade, but he's played enough good football at the professional level. I'm just not going to assume that Justin Fields, even regardless of the, the physical gifts and the, the upgrade that's there physically and the potential that Fields bring to the offense with the deep ball and all those other things will be true for the ceiling of the Bears offense and of Justin Fields as soon as he steps onto the field at the same time with Andy Dalton. But there are so many other things. Just like Kurt Warner was talking to me about a few minutes ago, there are so many other mental and emotional things that go into executing the quarterback position at the NFL level that not everybody picks up and dominates that from day one. Promise you some more callers at 312-644-6767. John is in Dallas, wants to talk some bears here. John, you got Ant. What's happening, man? Hey, enjoying the show, man. Listen, this guy from the footage that I've seen the last two years, this guy is, is mentally strong, mentally ready already. Uh, I think the bears should be he should be – I'm not knowing what they're doing now, but the books, the plays, Mitch, was, Mitch, Mitch couldn't read defenses. This guy can read defenses. We've seen that already. Give him a fair chance. If we look at last thing, we look at what Dalton did in Dallas. This is not the same Dalton 10, 5, 7 years ago. He didn't do nothing last year with Dallas. Listen, we don't want to lose five games to put him out there and then be 5-0 oh, and 5. Listen, if the guy's ready through, through the, the, the three preseason, put him out there. All right, hang up and hear what you got to say. I appreciate you, John. Thanks for the call, 312-644-6767. And I, I don't disagree with that point of view, John, and, and other callers out there. If Justin Fields goes onto the field and through all the, the various mini camps and OTAs and those three preseason games, and shows himself as a guy that gives the Bears the best opportunity to win, they should definitively start him from the opening game. There shouldn't be any hesitation in doing so. My point is, if he doesn't, then I don't think they should feel forced, you know, feel like their hand is forced to put Justin Fields in the lineup simply because they drafted him in the first round and everybody's really excited to see him play quarterback for the Bears. I think there, there's benefits to the teammates watching Justin Fields go out there and improve at his craft and prove that he's the guy that gives them the best opportunity. And if he hasn't proven that yet from game one, then maybe he'll have shown it by game four. If he hasn't shown it by game four, maybe he'll have shown it by game eight. And frankly, by then, then maybe just everybody in the organization would either have gotten tired of whatever Andy Dalton is showing in games by that point or dot, 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 Maybe he plays well enough where the Bears win some games. And that's what everyone is discounting. Who knows? Maybe Andy Dalton is completely washed up. John was in Dallas. He watched him last season. What I saw of him last season, 
he damn sure didn't look that good. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Andy Dalton, I'm confident he's going to come in and light it up. But he's not. it's not like he's the 38-year-old quarterback like the guy in Green Bay. And he's obviously not nearly as skilled as the guy in Green Bay either. But he's not so long in the tooth that I think there's no opportunity for Andy Dalton to come in here. And especially depending on, on what situation they put him in, what scheme they're running offensively, there's still questions about how the Bears will attack things on offense because we saw two drastically different offensive systems being run last season, one by Matt Nagy and one by Bill Lazor. So there's a lot of those questions that can end up being advantageous to the Bears heading into next year because there's going to be some elements of the unknown that their opponents will have to prepare for, such a wide variety of plays, formations, personnel groupings, that they've seen the Bears, as they were still trying to figure out, as Matt Nagy called it, their identity, just still trying to figure out that identity, what their personality is on offense. They found something last year. So I'm, I'm hoping and I'm trying to have a glasses half full look at this thing that, that they recognize what suits them best and what certainly will suit a young quarterback best for how, them to, for how they should attack things schematically. And if they can pull that off, that's great. And frankly, John being down in Dallas, I, I, from a you know, comparison perspective, I kind of see Justin Fields as like a souped-up Dak Prescott. Like I think a lot of the intangibles are very similar between the acumen, the approach, the work ethic, the leadership qualities, all those things. And he's just souped up physically, just a bigger, stronger, faster guy with a bigger arm, better athlete. So I think there's more tangibles and, and very similar intangibles to what uh, a lot of the folks in Dallas have watched over the years that Dak Prescott has had success there with the Cowboys. So, you know, if my evaluation of that is correct, if the Bears put Justin Fields in a quality position to succeed, then uh, th- there shouldn't be much reason Justin Fields won't turn into the star that a lot of us think he has the potential to be. One more segment on the way here in my time with you on this Thursday night. We'll give you a little bit of college sports news that's going on. Some things on the college sports landscape that could affect a couple of the institutions that certainly will affect a couple of the institutions that are here within this state as things related to the term NIL, that acronym associated with name, image, and likeness on the collegiate landscape. A lot of things are changing, and it's happening in the very near future. And since we're in Chicago, some of you may not know a thing about it. Let's spend a few minutes telling you about NIL here on the other side of this timeout. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. All right, so this one, this beat, ah, man, this sounds so familiar. Uh, give, give me a hint, Brandon. Let, let me. Uh, he wears sunglasses. Plays the piano. It's not, not John Legend. No, it's John Legend don't wear no sunglasses. Well, about, who else plays the piano? Is there somebody? Oh, Stevie Wonder. Okay. There you go. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who else is popular that plays the piano? <laughs> uh, okay, but no, your your clues were fine. You know, those were quality clues, quality hints. And I'm, man, that sounds so familiar. How come I'm, I'm not figuring out who that is? So thank you. It's because it's the I get up very early in the morning doing Big Ten radio, and I've I've had one cup of coffee. I don't know uh, if you're a big coffee drinker, Brandon Fryer, or not, but uh, for me. I've recently, you know, with my basically since my three year old uh, 
I've, I've become a coffee drinker basically over the last three years. And by coffee drinker, I mean I average about four or five cups of coffee a week. Like on the, the days where I'm at probably my most active, and I got to kind of drive down back and forth to the burbs and do things, help my folks with some stuff. Or if I'm like I was talking about earlier with my you know, benevolent vagabond who was in the park and you know, shoving money at me and everything from earlier in the show when I told that story. Yeah, on some of those days when it hits the afternoon, or sometimes even late morning, early afternoon time frame, I'll, I'll have my cup of coffee on some of my more active days. So I'm, I'm probably near, I'm probably near a cup a day at, at this point. See, so I, I, don't know. I never used to drink coffee like that, but just like I have a two year old, so now I do drink coffee because up in the middle of the night, and I have to, <laughs> you you know it, you know you're like in the middle of the night, you watching yeah. a kid, and you stand yeah. up, now you got less sleep. So yeah, I know exactly uh-huh. what you're talking about. It was a different world. And I'll say this. There was there was one point, my rookie year in Green Bay, when the just the meetings so early in the morning and just trying to get my body clock regulated to what life in the NFL was like. And especially I was on, on the practice squad in Green Bay. So I'm watching everybody else on film, going to special teams meetings and these super detailed defensive meetings and position meetings. And I'm just there. And I'm not looking at myself on film at all. I'm just watching all these other guys. My eyes start to glaze over a little bit. My head starts to nod a little bit. And I don't know if you remember the name Gilbert Brown. Uh, the, the nickname was Gravedigger. So Gilbert would sit next to me in the meeting rooms, and he'd see me nodding off. Or sometimes it'd be Santana Dotson. He'd catch me nodding off in a meeting. They'd just elbow me in the ribs a couple of times. Hey, better get up, Rook. You ain't making that kind of money to start getting fined in these meetings for falling asleep. So I went like a couple of weeks in Green Bay where I drank coffee my initial couple of weeks there, just trying to get my mind right about uh, about getting up and, and really being prepared for like NFL meetings and the, the regiment associated with it. But now I'm at a point where I'm up to almost a cup a day, which for me is a very big deal after going all those years drinking zero coffee. But I did mention the, the early mornings that I do my, my Big Ten radio show over on Sirius XM Channel 372, a topic that we discuss on a daily basis there that you who listen to the score probably haven't heard much, if anything, about on this station here unless I've brought it up, which, frankly, I haven't even brought it up that much because we're in Chicago and we don't really pay that much attention to college sports here in Shy City. But name, image, and likeness, uh, there are bills that are being passed all around the country that are turning into laws in various states around the country that are going to allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. And just to make sure that you're all understanding, this isn't going to be the institution cutting checks to college football players. This is going to allow, though, any athlete, whether you're talking football or men's basketball, like the big revenue generators, or women's basketball or volleyball or gymnastics or softball or you know wrestling or whatever. Like I, I saw some folks on the text line earlier you know, with the Go Hawks. You know what a big deal wrestling is in the state of Iowa, if you're playing these other sports and somebody from, just for an example, a local car dealership says, hey, come out and do a commercial, or somebody just wants to pay you to come do an autograph signing at at their local business. Athletes, college athletes will have that opportunity to do that. That's never, ever been the case before, but now there are a number of states. I believe the number right now is it's up to six states who have put this bill, who's turned the bill into law, it's been signed into law that will go into effect July 1st. Now, So that number six I threw at you was just, it's going to be six where this is going into effect July 
first when college athletes will be in a position to profit from their name, image, and likeness. So that is a huge that that is a that is a a not just a program tilting eventuality. That is just going to shake the core of everything we have known collegiate athletics to be up to this point. In my opinion, I hope it's not the last move that gets made. I hope it's not the last salvo because, frankly, I wouldn't mind at this point if institutions were in a position where they were going to cut checks directly to college athletes. Now, how would that system be set? I have some ideas on that myself So, for exactly how that would function. But specifically with NIL, there are, there are states who are like states like Alabama who has their law that's going to go into effect July 1st. Arizona has a law that's going to go into effect uh, July 23rd. And so there, there are some states that, that are going to have laws just over a month from now, essentially. Florida and Georgia are a couple of the other ones. Iowa has a bill that's been introduced that's not actually a law yet, but Iowa is trying to expedite their process where they'll have something in place by July 1st of this year. You may remember, for those of you who are paying any attention at all to it, that it was California a couple years ago who was the first state to pass this bill into law. Now, California was trying to play nice with the NCAA and say, we'll give you four years before you know, we, we actually turn our bill uh, and, and actually kind of sick the dogs on you, essentially. And then a bunch of other states got into it. So California has upped their, their timeline to January 1st of 2023, which also is the same timeline that the state of Illinois is on right now. They have a bill that's been introduced. It is not law yet. Uh, been, there's been bipartisan support, which we hear that term bipartisan support so much for so many different topics these days, but it's really about how nothing gets bipartisan support. But for the years that NIL has been sort of this, this political football that people have become teammates over, where they're just sharing it, they're just sharing the rock over and over again. Name, image, and likeness has been something that politicians on both sides, the Republican and the Democratic sides of the aisle, have been able to agree on. For whatever reason, though, there actually hasn't been a federal law that's been passed on this. So now what we're going to have that's going to go into effect in six, possibly seven states, because now just earlier this week, the state of Ohio, where the Ohio State University Buckeyes are playing their football and all their other varsity sports. The state of Ohio just presented a bill earlier this week. They're going to see if they can get that passed into law basically over the next six weeks with the hopes that they can get into that same discussion with the state of Alabama, with the state of Florida and Georgia, who are going to have their laws that go into effect in July, uh, just uh, less than two months from now, just six weeks from now. So Ohio is trying to be in that same lane. As of right now, the state of Illinois will be a couple of years from now with the bill that's been introduced. But initially, Governor J.B. Pritzker, when this first came out, when it first happened in the state of California, all the comments that J.B. Pritzker made about it was that he's in full support of it. The bill that got introduced had bipartisan support. For whatever reason, that bill hasn't become law yet. But this could end up being very beneficial, like for the New Illini football coach, Brett Bielema, who recruited me to the University of Iowa when he was still an, an assistant coach, could end up being a really big deal for a program like his where he is an outstanding recruiter. And if this turns into something where he's in the Big Ten footprint, other Big Ten institutions maybe don't have the same abilities or possibilities for their athletes to come in 
take advantage of sponsorship potential and some of those things. Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, as he's gotten more and more talent into his program there in Evanston in recent years. Perhaps if the state of Illinois can make something happen more quickly with name, image, and likeness, maybe if they are amongst that six or seven right now um, states that will be having theirs enacted by July, then maybe Illinois can be in that position where they can put Illinois and Northwestern and Northern Illinois and, you know, whomever else, all the universities in the state, all with amateur athletes can start to have it where their athletes can profit from their own name, their own image, and their own likeness as much as possible. So we'll see whether or not that plays out in as expedient a fashion as some of us might hope for, but really thought it would, uh, it would behoove me to share that with you because it is something I talk about on a daily basis over on Big Ten Radio. And some of you who, uh, with whatever degree of attention you pay to collegiate athletics, may not have been familiar with it. Been a fun show tonight on this Thursday, this eve of the weekend. Had a great time talking to Bruce Levine from here at the score, talking some baseball with him. Outstanding discussion. Man, I could have talked to Paul Racy all night, the Academy Award-nominated actor from The Sound of Metal. And thanks again to the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. We're talking some football, giving his thoughts on Justin Fields and where the Bears sit with things. Thanks to Brandon Fryer as well. Appreciations and salutations to all of you out there listening to me throughout the night tonight. More to come here. I'm Anthony Heron. This has been my evening on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.